God is good all of the time. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray uh, over the Word. Lord, we ask You to come this morning and just encourage us with Your Word. I pray that You would guide us, Lord, with Your Holy Spirit, that You would give words of wisdom to me as I speak, Lord, that those that hear would be encouraged, would be challenged, would be strengthened. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I will say I forgot, uh, is, is Children's Church or Praise Powerhouse happening this morning? For Are there older kids going downstairs? Okay, that's good because, you know, pastor usually preaches for about an hour, but I'm concerned that I'm going to preach the same way I drum and this is going to take like 10 minutes. So if they had a lesson prepared downstairs, they would not, never finish it. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm glad everyone's here this morning. Uh, I, I would like to share a message with you that is titled, Who Are You? Uh, but more of a kind of introspective question. You might want to say, Who am I? And, and as I prepared this message, that's what I was thinking. Who am I? In other words, the contents of this message are first for me. And, and I know pastors often say that, you know, that the message was spoken to them first and they had to, to receive it and, and, and accept it and, and, and let it work in their hearts. And, you know, sometimes you hear people say that and they're men of God and you think, you know, they don't mean that. They, they got it all figured out. And uh, this is really for us. You know, we're the ones that are struggling. We're the ones that are having difficulties. But I can t- tell you with a certainty this morning that as I, as I was working on this message, I felt, you know, this is, this is definitely for me. Uh, and I'm feeling challenged. I was challenged as I, as I wrote it. Uh, and I would encourage everyone to, to take this in the, in the right vein, that, you know, to be challenged and to be uh, strengthened and to be led uh, to, to look at yourself and, you know, look at you, yourself, uh, and, and see, you know, who you really are. Um, and there's really three areas that I want to touch on. The first one is, who do they say that you are? The second one is, who do you say you are? And then the last one is, who does God say that you are? Uh, the primary verses that I'm looking at for this message is found in Galatians chapter 5, Verses 22 to 23. So if you can turn there. um, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And most of us are very familiar with this passage, uh, the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, pastors preached a a message on this where he, he, I think by week, he went through each of the fruits and, uh, you know, broke down each word and, and explained its meaning and and really kind of challenge us, and, and I, I don't intend to go into it in, in, into that depth. It's really just to set a basis for us looking at ourselves and asking these questions. So uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things... There is no law. Let me read that again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Page one. (laughs) I got them all numbered, so if I drop them on the floor, you know, I have all these images of what might happen, so... Amen. I won't start too early with the stories. Okay, so um, 
As I said, I have no intention of going through each, each fruit in detail. Uh, my hope today is that this message will cause each one of us to take a close look at who we are. What do we look like through the eyes of others, through our own eyes, and lastly, through God's eyes? So, who do they say we are? And more importantly, first of all, who are they? Well, they are people that we come into contact with on a daily basis. They could be our coworkers. They could be our family. They could be our friends. They could be strangers that we meet on the street, someone that we run into the, in the store. They is everyone but you. Okay, so when I say they, it's everybody. And when I say you, it's me. Or for you, it's you. This is going to be fun. So, <laughs> by way of example, I'd like to turn this around and give an example of how I looked at some other people recently. So, this is really because I am they, and they are you. Okay? Or me. You got it so far? Okay. So, uh, as you know, I was on vacation with my wife uh, for, for a few days, and we were back in Martha's Vineyard, and those of you who are familiar with Martha's Vineyard know that that's a place where the rich go to vacate, and the poor locals are there to serve them. And uh, I'm related to one of the poor locals. But I still get to enjoy the pleasures of this beautiful island and the riches that are there, and I get to hobnob with rich people. And, you know, you can even, honestly, as soon as I get there, I start looking around, going, yep, I could live here. And, you know, I see a house that's a couple million dollars, go, yep, I could live in that house. And, you know, then reality sets in, and, you know, you can't live there. You know, you can't, certainly can't go there and buy a big house these days, millions of dollars. But there's people that are doing that, and there's people that are very successful businessmen, successful entrepreneurs, whatever that might be. Um, so on my way back from the island, for the first time I flew, there's a small plane that flies on Cape Air from Martha's Vineyard up to Boston, and it's about a half-hour flight. Uh, normally we drive, uh, so this was great. You know, it was like a four hours total trip to fly to Boston and then fly back to Chicago. Uh, but the airport on Martha's Vineyard is small. I'm talking small. It's very nice, uh, and the planes are even smaller. Uh, they seat eight to nine people, and that includes one person who has to sit next to the pilot and maybe even help fly the plane. I don't know, but uh, so, you, you know, they're small planes. So uh, I had an early flight to catch. Um, I think it was around 6 or 7 o'clock. Um, so they, they call the passengers for the flight, and you have to go through security. And they, I mean, they got the whole thing. You know, there's one security line, and there's eight people get in line, and then we go through, and we have to stand in the waiting room while they wait to walk you out to the small plane. So we're standing in the waiting room, and I'm looking around at the, the eight or seven other passengers that are there waiting as well. And you know, I'm looking at them, and I got them all figured out. You know, they're, they're, they've got their iPads or their, their laptop computers out. They're dressed in suits. They've nice, expensive suits. They've got their briefcases. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, you, you know. You're the people that come down for the weekend. You got the summer home there. You know you're loaded with cash, and uh, you know you, you know you're going back to to your business in Boston or wherever it might be, and then you're going to come back again on Friday, and and you know that's the the rich life that you lead, and uh, you know right now you're they were on their laptops or on their computers doing their thing, waiting for the to get on the plane, and you know doing last minute business deals and checking emails and all that sort of thing, and getting ready so that when they, they land in Boston, they're ready to hit the ground running. Amen? So I got them all figured out. Was I right? Well, we'll have to wait and find out. Because later on I was thinking, you know, what did they think I was? You know, so I'm telling you, I was definitely 
unique in that waiting room. Uh, what, so I thought, what did they see when they looked at me? Um, certainly, I can't believe they thought I was a businessman because I had a wrinkled shirt on. My sister-in-law had tried to iron it, but it still was pretty wrinkled. I had khakis on. I had some blue sneakers, which for me were kind of dress-up sneakers, but nonetheless, they were blue. I had a, no briefcase. Uh, I had a, like a green sort of carry-on bag, like a travel bag, and I had no laptop. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, so, you know, what did they think that I was? Well, the truth is, um, I am a businessman, right? I, I'm a man, and I work in a business, and I was heading to work. I was going straight to the airport. Someone was going to pick me up from the airport. I was going to go straight to work. So I was also getting ready for work. I was thinking about what I was going to have to do after missing a few days. I knew that I've learned that it's a bad idea to only take three or four days vacation because everyone just leaves everything. Julian will be back on Tuesday. I don't have to touch it. If you go away for 10 days, stuff's got to get done. But if you go away for four days, nothing gets done. So I didn't know that. I found it out later. But I was thinking about things that were happening before I left, and I was kind of getting prepared. So if they'd looked at me and, and misread me and figured I was a, I don't know, a poor islander that won the lottery somehow and somehow managed to take a flight instead of taking the ferry, um, they would have misread me. I'm a businessman. But then I also thought, what else might they have got wrong? You know, what else would they have seen or not seen in me? Um, so turn to the book of Acts chapter 4 and see what they, would, they should have seen in me, what I would have liked them to have seen in me. So Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. And this is talking about the disciples of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. That last, those last few words really should strike a chord in us. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. So I ask myself, and I challenge you to ask yourself, when people look at us, do they see that we have been with Jesus? Or, you know, what, what do they see? Do I display any of the fruits of the Spirit that we just read in Galatians? Or do I display other fruits? So I thought about it, you know, again, going back to the waiting room. Was I pa I'm not going to do all of the fruits, but I, you know, a couple of them sprung to mind. Was I patient? No, I wasn't. Everyone else was sitting down waiting for the plane. And they told us it was only going to be a 10-minute wait. But I stood near the door, impatiently waiting for someone to come and open the door to walk us out onto the, onto the tarmac to get on the plane. So I was clearly the least patient, or certainly in my body language, I appeared to be the least patient of any of the people that were waiting. Did I demonstrate self-control? No, I was trying to be first in line. And in fact, when they, they called the eight of us to go through security, I jumped up to try to get to the front of the line. Now, when you go through a large airport, it's not a bad idea to try to get to the front of the line. But when there's eight people getting on a plane... If you're in eighth place, you're still getting through pretty darn quickly. And they're not going to leave without you because they'll, they'll look around. Oh, there's a seat empty. Someone's still coming through security. So there was no need for me to not demonstrate self-control. But I, I didn't. I couldn't sit. I couldn't relax. I certainly wasn't being patient. Did I show kindness? No. 
when I was waiting to get in line to go through security, I could have stepped to one side and let other people go before me. Maybe they wouldn't have noticed what I was doing. Maybe it wouldn't have occurred to them that it was an act of kindness. But if I'd thought about it and I'd done it, I would have known. I would have known what I was doing. So the list goes on. You look at these other fruits and you, ask, you can ask yourself, is that, is that me? You know, do I, do I show those fruits in my daily life? And, you know, I joke about being in, a, in the airport, but, you know, raise a hand if you've, if you've been at the grocery store and you're coming down the last aisle with your cart and you're looking around for the shortest line and you see some woman coming with a big, big cart of groceries and you speed up and you cut in front of her because you want to make sure that you're not going to be stuck behind her. And if she gets in front of you, you move to the next line and you start looking, for, you know, and you always move and then the other line goes faster. You know, the, the lady pulls her cart out of line to go get something she forgot and you could have been there and, you know, so you just keep moving around. And did anyone watch King of Queens? Did anyone watch... There was a classic episode where the guy just kept on moving from line to line, and it was like three hours later, and he was still not through the checkout because he kept on moving. Anyway, I digress. The point is, in the same way that I didn't demonstrate patience or self-control, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just betting that all of us here at some time or another, whether it's in the grocery store, um, whether it's in traffic, whatever it might be, we don't demonstrate patience. We don't demonstrate self-control. Uh, I, one of the most frustrating things for me in traffic is when I indicate that I'm going to turn into another lane because maybe I have to get off at the next exit and the car that's a couple of car lengths behind just kind of hits the gas and speeds up to try to cut me off from just getting in front of him. Why? Because he doesn't want to be behind me. For what reason? I'm about to get off. I mean, it drives me crazy. But have I done the same thing? Probably. You know, you're in busy traffic and people keep on cutting in front of you. You're like, well, I'm going backwards here. This doesn't work. So you start getting closer and closer to the car in front of you. Then you run into the back of them. You know, the, the police come. They're like, you know, you tell them you're a Christian. They're like, yeah, right. You just ran me because you're so impatient. I mean, so, you know, we have to look at ourselves every day and ask us if we are exuding the fruits of the Spirit in our daily life. Uh, I wanted to say, you know, that we need to smell a little more fruity. You know, we don't want to be Fruit Loops, but we want to be a little more fruity, okay? So... Um, there's another way that we can let people know that we're followers of Christ. So what do you think about this idea? Instead of wearing my wrinkled shirt, I could have worn a T-shirt that said, Jesus freak, or I love Jesus, and, you know, something that just spelled it out really loudly on my shirt. I could have been sitting there singing worship songs, maybe, you know, not quite at full volume, but loud enough so everyone could hear what I was singing. I could have been carrying my Bible. You know, I don't have to be reading it, but just look at this big Bible that I'm carrying. So everyone would look and go, oh, he's a Christian, you know, he's, he's a follower of Christ. But to what end? If I do that and I still cut in line and I'm still standing up being impatient and I'm still not demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit, then I'm doing even a, a worse job than I would if I just kind of sat quietly on my own. Um, if we look in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, it talks specifically about not having one of the fruits of the spirits. Uh, 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, it says, everyone have it? Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. 
If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. I don't want to be a clanging cymbal. I don't want to rely on props like Bibles or T-shirts or singing songs in order to let people know that I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'll skip that one, sorry. You know, I've got it all written out, but then I kind of get ahead of myself, and then it doesn't make any sense when I go back and say things. So I'm just going to keep forging on here. Uh, Matthew, let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 9, and look what the Bible has to say about fruits and good fruits versus bad fruits, because if we're not showing and demonstrating good fruits of the Spirit, we've got to be showing some kind of fruit, right? I mean, if you use the analogy that we're a tree and we're, you know, fruits are growing on us, if we're not growing good fruit, we're going, growing some bad fruit. And let's see what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. Matthew chapter 9, verses 17 and 18 That's not, the, <laughs> that's not the scripture that I had written down here. Um, anyone know where that, fruit, that scripture is about the tr a good tree bearing good fruit and a bad tree bearing bad fruit? Maybe. Well, we don't need to look there because I think we understand what the, what, the, what the verse says, which is basically that a good tree can only bear good fruit and a bad tree can only bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So when you're looking at yourself and you're asking yourself, what fruit am I demonstrating in my life? If you're a bad fruit, a bad tree, you're not going to demonstrate, uh, you know, good fruit in your life. And to flip it around a little bit, if you're demonstrating bad fruit in your life in any way, then you need to stop and ask yourself, you know, who am I? You know, what are people seeing in me? And I'm, I'm not saying that you know, questioning salvation or anything like that. I'm not, I, I know that I'm saved. I, I thank God for my salvation. I believe it 100%. But I need to show people. I need to demonstrate that uh, in, my, in my daily life. Uh, you know, if, if, again, and I'm talking to me personally when I say this, you know, I know that there's things in my life that I still do that are not representative of, of my walk with the Lord. And I, you know, in my workplace, I struggle with things like being sarcastic or, or you know, I have a, a what I think is a good sense of humor, but some people think it's a little sarcastic. And, you know, when you're really sarcastic, some people think it's even a little cruel. Now, you know, I beg to differ, but, you know, again, in deference to demonstrating, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, I need to back off on, on my sarcasm or my wit or whatever because if someone is looking at me and saying, well, you know, Julian's a Christian. I mean, I, I, you know, I invite my coworkers to church. I share the gospel with them when and the opportunity arises. So in some ways, I'm under scrutiny. And then if I go around and I start, you know, saying things about people that, you know, I think I'm just being funny, but it can, it's hurtful or it's, it's just it's not in good taste, then they're going to look to me and, and say, well, he says he's a Christian, he goes to church, but. So I don't want to have that hypocrisy in my life. So as I look at myself and I ask myself, you know, who am I and what, who do people see in me, then, I, you know, I need to make sure that my life lines up with what I, what, what I claim to be. And I'll use an example of a, someone who I work with, and you know, no one knows him, so I, I don't feel bad about saying this, but he's a Christian, and uh, you know, he, he witnesses to people in the plant, he, he shares the gospel, uh, he, he, he encourages people with words, uh, 
But I hear other people saying, you know, why, why did he do this? Why, you know, it doesn't, seems almost like he's dishonest doing this or, you know, he, he said this or, or whatever it might be. And I hear them saying that and, you know, I feel bad for him because, you know, his witness is not going to work the way he wants if the life that he lives when he's around people doesn't, doesn't bear the fruit that he claims that he has. And then there's another guy that I work with, real nice guy, quieter guy. He's one of our engineers. And uh, one day I was talking to him, and he's always listening when he's working. To, he's always got the headphones in. And uh, I always assumed he's listening to music or, or doing something. And honestly, I get a little annoyed because I'm like, how can you be concentrating if you're listening to other stuff? Well, I was over talking to him one day, and I looked at his, his iPhone, and he was listening to Moody Radio. He was listening to some message. I couldn't see who the pastor was, but I had no idea. And it wasn't because he demonstrated bad fruit. I mean, he was. I just didn't make the connection. You know, he was a you know, good person, a kind person, ne you know, never, never one to get angry, never one to say a you know, bad thing about anyone else. And there you go. You know, he, was, he wasn't like waving his Christianity. He wasn't flaunting it, but he was living it. And then also, you know, taking that time at work to continue to stay in touch with the Holy Spirit. So I've talked about who people say I or we am or are. Got that? Yeah, okay. Now to number two. Who do you say that you are? Who do you claim to be? And again, I'll ask myself the question, who do I say that I am? So going back to this situation in the waiting room, well, I say I'm a businessman because I sit in an office, I work at a computer, I buy and sell stuff, and I talk on the phone. I do all of those things that would say that I'm a businessman. I also say I'm a Christian because I read my Bible, I pray, I witness, I go to church, etc., etc. So I, you know, I have these things that, that demonstrate who I say I am in those two areas. Now let's go back to the businessmen in the waiting room because I know you're dying to find out the truth about these men in suits. So, they said they were businessmen by what they did while they waited, you know, and, and the way they were dressed. Dressed in their suits, they had their laptops out, they were checking their emails, getting ready to go to work. Or were they? As I was standing up, I had a kind of a vantage point where I could see what they were working on. And I look over at one gentleman, and he's probably in his 60s, and he's playing... I don't know, the Candy Crush or the Bejeweled, the thing where the things come down and you're like, you, t you know, the, is it, I don't know what it's called. Huh? Anyone play it? I don't know. Anyway, he's there, he's putting, you know, I'm thinking he's checking email, you know, his finger goes on the, and then these little jewel things come down and then, and then he looks at it again. And, and he, that's all he was doing. He was playing some video game. And then I look over at another guy, he's got his iPad out, and suddenly, you know, a movie starts playing and he's watching some sci-fi movie while he's waiting for the plane. So, I was, comp not to say that they weren't businessmen, but if I was using my judgment of what they were doing to determine who or what they were, I was way off. They were really kids playing video games and watching movies. In fact, out of eight people, 25% of them weren't really businessmen, at least not at that moment. So, who do I say that I am? Let's go back and look at the things that I do to say that I'm a Christian. I come to church twice a week. Right? I mean, if I'm coming on a Tuesday night, I come on a Sunday. Sometimes we have things even on a Friday. So I could say, you know, I come three times a week. And most people who know me know that about me. You know, I've shared my faith with people. I've invited people to come to church. But when I'm here, am I always here in spirit or is my mind elsewhere? And again, I'm talking to me. On a Tuesday night, I can be here. I've had a long day at work. 
things have gone wrong. And even though I've had 45 minutes in the car to kind of get it out of my system, I sit here, things get quiet, we pray, and suddenly my mind's wandering. And I'm thinking about work, you know, and I keep telling myself, you know, bring it back in. We're here to worship. And I, my mind keeps going off again to something else. And, I, and I, you know, I, I, I don't concentrate. And I'm not saying it's every time. And, you know, sometimes I'm here on a Sunday morning and my eyelids are heavy and pastor's hitting the one-hour point and I suddenly I, don't, I realize I missed the last point. I didn't, I didn't hear what he said. Or I'll look over at Christy and she'll be like, you're sleeping. You know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not asking for a you know, show of hands, but I know that it happens. You know, if you've been tired, you've been up all night, you've been whatever it might be, you, you know, you start to lose focus. You, you know, you get a little comfortable in your seat. You kind of scoot down a little bit. You prop your head up. You know, you're looking at the pastor like you're really focusing, but, you know, your, your mind is starting to go elsewhere. And I'm telling you this, he knows. You know, if you think, because sometimes when you start to fall asleep, you think it's only been for a second. But honestly, it's like this. And then he goes. And you might be out for a minute and they do that. But he sees it. I mean, I'm up here now. I see it. No one's falling asleep on me yet, but you're yawning. You're you're heading that way. You're snuggling up to your daughter there. I mean, I'm telling you, you might want to just kind of give some space there. You're going to get too comfy. But you know what I'm saying? You know, we say we we go to church and, and, and yet are we really here? I read my Bible every day. Um, every morning before I go to work, I read my Bible. I, I, I do the Bible in a year. So every day I'm reading a certain number of passages. <laughs> my son went on a, to a, a, a retreat, sort of a, a what do you call it? conference uh, a couple of weeks ago in Ohio. And he came back and he was talking. He made a comment and he, you know, he, he, such a nice boy. He prefaced it by saying, I'm not, I'm not you know, insulting you or questioning what you do. He said, you know, but the, the pastor there was saying that reading those, you know, Bible in a year sort of things, it, it's not really absorbing the Word because you kind of, you're on, a, you're on a mission. Oh, what am I reading? Oh, five chapters out of Isaiah, let's go. You know, just put your head down and start reading. Sometimes I'm reading, I'm like, what did I just read? You know, oh, oh but I got four more to go. Well, that's not really absorbing. That's not really soaking in the Word. That's, you know, I don't want to need to use a Bible app to find where my scriptures are. I mean, look what happened. I wrote down the wrong scripture. I didn't know where that scripture was about the good fruit and the bad fruit. I wrote down the wrong thing. I'm lost. You know, I have to do my little search on my Bible app to find stuff. I mean, it's a great tool. You know, you want to use a concordance. It's a, it's a great tool to have. But wouldn't it be great if on a day-by-day basis you're getting more into the Word, getting more familiar with the Word? So it's not about reading every word in the Bible just to say I've read it three times, four times, whatever it might be. It's reading it so that you're soaking it in. So it's becoming part of you. So it's, you know, what does the Bible say? That word have I hid in my heart, right? So that when you don't have your Bible in front of you or you don't have your phone in front of you, you can still speak a word. It doesn't have to be verbatim, but you want to know those words. You're not going to, trust me, you're not going to get that just by reading through the Bible. It's a good thing to read through the Bible, but you need to take time throughout the day if you have a moment just to open up your Bible and just to take a scripture and just to really chew on it and just to really kind of meditate on it. So that's what I want to do, you know. And then lastly, I pray. And I, I think about that scripture where Jesus prayed until the, you know, the blood, he was sweating blood on his brow. I'm not saying that we have to do that, but do I pray to that extent, you know, or is it half-hearted prayer? Is it, you know, going through the motion sort of thing? I, you know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. Do I do that? 
It's, it's not about doing it as you're talking to someone else, suddenly breaking into prayer, but you can pray in your mind. You can be always asking God to, to, to lead you, to guide you. You know, if you're facing a challenging moment, you know, don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own person, but, you know, seek God at that moment just to come and fill you and give you the, the, the strength that you need or the, the knowledge or the wisdom that you need. So, again, I say I'm a Christian and I believe that I am. I believe that I'm saved. I know that, that God has set me free. But am I sold out for Christ the way I should be? Do I fool myself into believing that I'm truly Christ-like when sometimes I'm barely a shadow of the Christian that I should be? You know, God needs to help me to be on fire with a genuine burning in my heart. Not, you know, it's easy to get all excited when you're talking to someone and start sharing the gospel, but is it, are you just a loud clanging symbol at that point? You know, do you have that love? Do you have those fruits of the Spirit in you? Are they apparent as you're sharing the gospel so that people will know, you know, that he's not just going through the motions. You know, this isn't just, oh, witness to someone today, check that off the list. Read my Bible today, check that off. It's not about that. It's about being in tune with the Holy Spirit and being so focused on him and so uh, close to him at all times and him being so close to you that, you know, you don't, you don't sound like a clanging cymbal. You sound genuine no matter what you say. Amen? Amen. And again, I mean it when I say it. This is to me. I pray that it's to you guys as well. I pray that each one of you takes it in a positive way and is challenged by it and starts to look at yourself. But if you want, you can just look at me. And you can go, yep, yep. I hear it. Yeah, he needs to. Oh, yeah, he needs that too. That's fine because I know I do. I absolutely know that I do. Amen. Lastly, on page 13, who does God say that you are? If I'm a businessman, I can fool other people, you know, and I want people to believe I'm a good businessman. I can fool other people with my gadgets. You know, I could have worn a nicer suit when I waited in the waiting room. I could have got a briefcase instead of this, you know, green carry-on bag. And it's fun. I have a briefcase at home. And when I, <clears throat> this goes back probably 15 years, I was working for, no, it's longer than that. I've been where I am for 18 years. Okay, so let's go 20-some years ago. I was working for a place. And uh, the owner of the company also owned an a, a, a office building. And he said, you know, do you want to manage the office building for me? And I'm, you know, I'll pay you a little more money on the side, and you can go up there once a week or twice a week. And, you know, you have to ha handle the tenants, and you bring in, you know. So here I am. I'm 20, whatever I was, 4 or 5. And I'm like, wow, yeah, this is awesome. I mean, I'm running run an office building. And so I got a briefcase because you got to have a briefcase, you know. So I would bring that briefcase to work every day. And I know people were laughing at me. You know, I'd come in carrying my briefcase, and there was nothing in there. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm not kidding. I, I, would, I would use it sometimes to, like, take checks up to the office building to, to mail out or something. But most of the time, the darn thing was completely empty. But, and it was heavy, too, you know, because back then everything was heavy, right? Everything was overbuilt. And so I'd be lugging this briefcase to work every day. Oh, my God, nothing in there. And, and it's got the, the, the combination lock on there. At some point, I even forgot what the combination was, so I couldn't even open it. But you know, here I am. Got to bring my briefcase to work every day. So I was fooling myself, obviously. Uh, and I was attempting to fool others. But if God had been watching me, and he was, he wasn't fooled, right? He knew that the briefcase was empty. He knew that I didn't need it. And he sure as heck knew I wasn't a businessman at that point. I was just a wannabe businessman. I mean, I had fun. It's good fun managing that office building, but uh, 
Yeah, I was, I was kidding everybody, but I wasn't fooling God. So when we think about trying to fool God, and let's face it, sometimes we do. We want to. We want to hide things from Him. The first thing to know about God is that He's omnipresent, right? So when we, when we are alone, and those are the times when sometimes we think we can get away with stuff, right? You know, if I'm at work, I can really make an effort to appear a certain way. When I'm out at the store, I can, you know, be smiling and I can be patient and I can do all of those things because, you know, I want to make sure that people see me and get, get a good blast of my Christianity. But when I'm all alone and I, no one's watching me, what am I doing? You know, well, it doesn't really matter because no one can see me. So, you know, if any, no one's faith is going to be shaken by what I do in the, in the privacy of my own home or in my car or whatever, you know, I can do. Well, no, because God's there. You know, so, you know, sometimes I'm in my car and uh, I love music. I've, I've loved music since, since a teenager. You know, before I came to the States, I was working in the music business. I mean, again, I like this. I think I might have a briefcase then as well. I don't remember. But I worked for a guy who managed a couple of bands, you know, and I was... I dropped out of college, you know, started working for him, and, you know, we would go to gigs at the weekends, and, you know, I was like the roadie. I'd set up the, that's where the drums thing started. I used to set up the drums for the drummer, and, you know, I, I loved it. You know, I, I, I would go to music labels and, you know, take the tapes of the band. Back then, he had cassette tapes, and, you know, I'd have meetings with the guys and say, you know, you got to sign this band, and, you know, this was, I loved it. I just loved music, and I still love music, and I still listen to worldly music, but... I know the difference in me when I listen to worldly music versus when I listen to Christian music. You know, if I'm driving to work in the morning and I put in one of my old CDs and, you know, my, I'm tapping, I'm singing, I'm enjoying it, but I get to work and I don't feel fulfilled at that point. And again, I'm not getting all holy on people and saying you can't listen. I'm, I'm not telling anyone what to do, but I am telling you from, from my experience, when I put in some godly music and I worship along, I'm, I'm ready, you know, I'm prepared. I feel that the Spirit is really touching me, and I feel strength. And so, you know, even as simple as listening to music, you might go, well, I'm in the car on my own. Nobody knows what I'm listening to. You know, if someone gets in, I'll put my Christian music on so they know I'm a Christian. Well, God knows. He knows what you're listening to, right? And, you know, again, He loves us so much. He's not going to kill me with a bolt of lightning every time I put in something that non-Christian, but He might be going... Yeah, that, that, that's, that's not what I want you to listen to, you know. And my friend Chris here, I've, I've shared with him the fact that a lot of Christian music kind of bland. It's kind of like Christian movies, you know. It's, it's true. I'm sorry. It's true. But if you listen to the words, it's not about the, you know, the, the beat or, you know, how, how great the actual music sounds. If you're worshiping God... Come on, we worship every Sunday, and let's face it, the beat's sometimes off, the, I'm singing in the wrong key, I'm starting the wrong song, right? But we're worshiping God, we don't care, right? You guys could be singing a completely different song for me, I don't care, I'm just going to keep worshiping. It doesn't matter, I forget the words, and then you guys don't know where I'm going, it doesn't matter. We're worshiping God, right? And He loves that, He comes down and He inhabits our praises. So it's the same thing, you're driving in the car, He's there, but He's not inhabiting my praises when I sing along to something that's secular. But when I'm singing along to a good worship song, He's inhabiting my praises, and He's filling me, and He's strengthening me. So He's omnipresent. He's also all-knowing. Even my thoughts cannot be hidden from God. Let's go back to the Scripture, to Psalm 139, and we're going to read the whole psalm. It's not a long one. 
Psalm 139. Of course, if I've got the wrong one written down. Okay, I do. I have the right one written down. So bear with me. It, it, it's a little long, but it's, it, you know, the words are, it's very clear. Uh, this Psalm that David wrote is very clear what he's saying here. Does everyone have Psalm 139? Okay, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark enough to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Oh, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So David, in these last scriptures here, you know, he talks about earlier, you know, he talks about, you know, he can't go and hide in the darkness. You know, so if I think my, my car is, you know, get in the garage and don't open the door yet. I'm hidden from God because it's dark in there. Or if, it go, if I go down to the depths, or into, God is everywhere, right? And he's all-knowing. So he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, we shouldn't be afraid of God because of this. We shouldn't read this and go, oh my goodness, you know, God is just going to smite me dead because of every time that I have an evil thought or do an evil thing or, you know, whatever it might be. Because remember, God is love. And if for every time that we make a mistake, for every time that we slip and fall, He comes down and He just, he just encourages us and He strengthens us and He loves us and he, he just draws us back into His presence. But, you know, when, when we ask ourselves, who does God say that we are, that you are, that I am? Every day we want to say more and more that God says, he's one of my children, amen? He, he's one of my people. 
you know, and it's not because it's not how I earn my salvation by being good. We know that, right? We've heard that many times, you know, you're saved by grace, but, you know, now we're saved. Let's live a life that is, that is worthy of being called a child of God. Let's live a life that pleases God. And it's not just so that you can feel good about yourself. It's not just so that you can fool those that are around you. It's not just to try to fool yourself even. It's to please God, amen? It's, it's because God knows you better than anyone else is ever going to know you. So in closing, I would like to encourage you to consider these thoughts, but I'm going to do them in reverse because I think if we do them in reverse, then we do the first one, the others take care of themselves. So the first question that we should ask ourselves is what or who does God say that you are? What is he, who does he say that I am? So if that is our focus, to always be thinking about what God sees when he looks at us, our thoughts are constantly going to be redirected to him. Our prayers are constantly going to go up to him. We're going to be constantly working toward pleasing God and doing what his word says. You know, we, we would read the Bible in, in a different way because we would be seeking that guidance. We wouldn't just be reading it to, to get through the passage that has been assigned by your Bible app. We would, we would be doing it because we want to know Him, right? I mean, this, the Word of God is, is how we get to know God, right? I mean, this is, you know, you, 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 this is how you understand what God has to say for you, to you. You read the Word, you, you just delve in, and you don't get discouraged when you don't understand something. You ask God to reveal it to you. You get to know Him. So if you're doing that, if that's your first focus, you're always going to be pointed back up to Him, right? You're always going to be, you know, redirected to him. And if you're struggling with something and you slip and you fall and then you think, well, you know, who does God say that I am? You ask yourself that question, you're going to turn around again and you're going to, you know, go back in the right direction. You're going to walk in the right direction. So if you're doing that, then by default, when you ask yourself who you are, you're going to be able to say, I'm a Christian, right? I'm, I'm living a Christian life. I'm, I'm doing what it is that God wants me to do. So that question will be easily answered. And then the final question, or the first question that you, we ask ourselves, which is, who do they say that you are, is going to also be easily answered. If you are focused on who God says you are, and you're living like that, then everything else is going to take care of itself. You're not going to have to worry about who they say you are, because you're already going to be doing it. You're all gonna, already going to be living a life that is pleasing to God. You're going to be living a life that, that bears witness to who you are, and there will be no question. They won't look at you and say, well, he goes to church, but, you know, they, they won't have to know that. You won't have to, to share, like, the details of your Christian walk because they're going to see it in you, and you're going to have the, the joy of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to have the love of, you know, all of those fruits that we read earlier on. You're never going to be rushing to get in line first. You're just, you know, you're going to stand at the back and go ahead. You know, family's going to be home waiting for dinner, and you're just going to like, go ahead. You know, I'm just going to, please, you know, the store's going to close, and, you know, you have to, then you'll have to buy your groceries. But you know what I'm saying. It's about, it's about showing all of those fruits of the Spirit in our daily lives in a way that will point others to Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's just pray in closing. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you have a way of, of, of teaching us uh, and in revealing stuff to us in a way that, that, you know, we don't have to have a great education. We don't have to, to be knowledgeable in, the, in, 
and, and well-trained, Lord God. We just have to open our hearts to receive your word and just allow you to reveal to us whatever that message is that you want to share. I thank you, Lord God, that you gave us this opportunity to come together this morning to hear, Lord God, what it is that you have to say to us. And I pray, Lord God, that we would take this word and that we would apply it in our daily lives, that we would ask ourselves every day, who do you say that we are? Who do you say that I am, Lord? So that every day when I get up, I would live a life that is pleasing to you. Help me, Lord God, not to, to, to fool myself and to think that, that I can hide from you and do things that don't please you, Lord God. But just help me to remember, Lord God, that you are here, that you are omnipresent, Lord God, that you know my thoughts, you know my sitting up and my getting up and everything, Lord God. You know what I do, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we give you all of the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. 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 You are dismissed. There is no church on Tuesday for those that came late. Uh, so we'll see you back here next Sunday.